Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Dave Madsen, CEO of Sandler Training. Sales management is one of the hardest jobs in the company, especially if you are both player and coach. That's because sales managers are constantly focused on improving the business, their people, or themselves. Well, don't fret. Dave is here to share some best practices, and we'll hear what they are in just a minute. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Hi, this is Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Well, hello there. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm well, and yourself? Great, and this is one of my favorite topics because it is something that I think I would be pretty awful at, and probably was in the brief time I ever had to do this, (laughs) and that is talking about sales management. You had that role. You've had that role. Mark, what do you think? Is it an easy peasy or? No, I'm actually glad to be out of it myself. If we would have had this sort of training ahead of time, though, I bet you both of us would be chomping at the bit to get back at I'm it. I'm sure. I'm sure. So I'm really excited today to introduce a person that I've known for a long time. I think we had him first speak to our Roundtables peer group members 25 years ago. And you'd never know it. He looks exactly the same. Um, so I'm really, really excited to welcome Dave Matson again. As Mark said, he's the CEO of Sandler. He's written five bestsellers on sales and sales management. And he has a new book out coming, coming out called Scaling Sales Success, 16 Principles for Sales Leaders. Sandler is known for world-class sales and sales management tactics and strategies, which are actionable and dozens and dozens and dozens of our members have been trained by Sandler to be the awesome remodeling salespeople that they are. So welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, Dave. Thanks, Victoria and Mark. Great to be here. I can't imagine it's 25 years ago, right? Seems like yesterday. It does, doesn't it? I mean, it I still feel exactly that same age, too. But, you know, alas, we're not. But hey, it's really nice to have you back on. And this is really a, a a fascinating topic. More and more of our roundtable members and our the remodelers with whom we work are growing. And they're growing by adding salespeople, but then they have to become sales managers. And I think there's just not a whole lot of training out there. And so when you agreed to do this, it, I got really pumped and I know our members are going to love this. Well, it's hard. I mean, as you said, you know, not when you're an entrepreneur, you're a craftsperson by nature. So, you know, you know that side of the business inside and out. And now mm-hmm. you've got to grow a team. It's hard, especially as you said, you're a player coach. So I think you're always straddling between the things I have to do every day and mm-hmm. the things that I'm supposed to be doing to create that structure and process so my team can operate independently. Mm-hmm. Where do I spend my time? It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. You know, now you had mentioned or er- when we were talking about this program, you mentioned that sales leaders are always try, trying to improve either the business, their people, or themselves. What's a best practice for improving their people? Well, that's true. I mean, I think if you think about sales management, if we simplify it, we are trying to increase the business or grow the business and, and grow our people because that's obviously connected and then grow ourselves. So if we're trying to look at growing our people, what could we be doing? Some just quick and easy tips regardless if you're a full-time sales manager or a player coach, one would be create a culture 
of role play. The more we can role play as a sales leader, the better off we are because think about our job as sales managers. We want our people to be self-sufficient. We want mm -hmm. them to be able to operate without us when they're in front of a homeowner, right? Mm -hmm. And not have everything come back to us all the time. Mm -hmm. And so as a sales leader, think about the frustration sometimes that we have when we say, do you go do this, 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 and this. And they say, oh, absolutely. Another genius attack from the sales manager. <laughs> absolutely. And then they go and they talk to a homeowner and come back and find out they said little or nothing of what you had told them to say. Why is that exactly? Well, it's because you just kind of threw your idea on them and it did make sense. But when they're, they're out there and they're talking, boy, it's hard to remember that. So how do you do it? Well, people learn by mimicking Victoria and mm -hmm. imitating. So show it to them, say, this is what I would do. This is how I describe our, our practice. This is how I would answer that particular objection or why do I have to pay for drawings, anything that it is. That way, when they're out there, they probably have a higher percentage of replicating what you would have said and it's very safe because they got to play and, and practice with you. And by the way, the first time that comes out of their mouth isn't so pretty. And so <laughs> think about the pressure that they feel, right? Yeah. So that would be one. I think, how about a quick Monday meeting? It takes 15 minutes. We call it a weekly individual meeting. And it just simply says, so Victoria, you know, what are the two or three things you're accomplishing this week? And then on Friday, I simply say, how did you do? You know, and of course, on Monday, I'd ask, what support can I give you? But what that does is it really focuses people on these are the three things that I need to be doing. And then I get to check up on that, which, by the way, creates an atmosphere of accountability mm -hmm. versus, oh, you know, your goals. You know, that's what I pay you for. Have at it. Good luck. And then we're <laughs> shocked, disappointed and, and dismayed that we didn't hit our numbers. Mm -hmm. Right. So all that stuff goes on. So I think those whims are great. I like the lot. Maybe another one I can throw out real quick is create a playbook. Create a playbook. Every sports team has a playbook, right? And when you hire great people, even from your competitors, that's the beginning of the hard work. That's not, oh, I just hired this great person to do X, Y, and Z. They've got a history, bring in $25 million of remodeling a year. Oh, okay. But maybe that's not the way that you do it at your company and your culture. So if you can give people, especially new hires, but everyone, this is how we go about our business. And it's almost like an operations manual for sales. Mm -hmm. Then you're always updating it. You get to take the best of the best, right? Because no one's graded at everything. And then people get to, again, mimic or play back what they know are some best practices. So those are some quick and easy ones that come to mind. All right. So that already have got like 16 questions. Let's go back to role playing for a second. Yep. So, okay, you're a sales manager or, or player coach. You've got two other salespeople. Mm -hmm. How often should you role play and how literally do you do it? Are, do you play, you play the sales, you, the coach, the sales manager, play the salesperson and they play the client and you just recreate a past Yeah, meeting? so here's some tips. So role play by its definition is nobody likes to do it, right? right. It makes so you feel a little silly. Play. Yeah, think about sales a sales meeting. I'm sure that everyone listening has really exciting sales meetings. And, and when somebody says, who'd like to come up and role play? Chirp, 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 <laughs> chirp, 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 right? Because it's set up as a win-lose situation. So here are some quick things on role play. Uh, you should be role playing as often as you can. So it's not an event. It should become just part of your DNA. Uh, number two is always role play small snippets. Never role play a first call. 
That's too long. There's too many variables. There's no way they can remember it. So here's how we describe our 30 second commercial. Boom. Two, three minutes, role play that. That's perfect. Here are my top five qualifying questions. Boom, role play that. That's great. The third thing I'd like you to do is exactly what you just said. Sales leaders never put the salesperson as the salesperson you get to play prospect. Like if you know they did a horrific upfront contract, and now all your members know that term, right? Like yes. setting an agenda. Mm-hmm. And you let's even say you witnessed it. So in the car when you're talking, or you know, if now it's remote, you would say, Hey, let me see you do that again. That really wasn't that great. Well, what are they <laughs> gonna do? They're simply gonna repeat the horrific upfront contract you just saw. So why not say, Hey, listen, let me let me show you how I would do that. And that's how I always do it. I say, hey, let me show you what I would say. Or let me tell you what I heard Mary say, because it was awesome. And then you repeat it. And because, again, people love to mimic. They hear it. And I say, you play prospect. Let me play you. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And then I do exactly what I say. And I said, how did that sound? And then I would give you permission to change it, Victoria, because I would say, Victoria, you and I are different, right? Mm-hmm. So how would you manipulate what I said to match your personality and the buyer that we're talking about, that homeowner? How would you have changed that? Well, I would do this, this, and this. Great. You're going to do it anyway. So I might as well give you permission to do it now. <laughs> right. And then I say, okay, well, let me try it. And I'll do it one more time to you. And then the last thing I'd like you to do as a, as a sales manager is to have them try it on you. Say, now that you've heard it, you give it back to me. How would you do that? Let me hear it. And of course, the first time it's not going to be great. That's okay. But what you're realizing is that they'll feel more and more comfortable doing it. And if you can do small snippets and always play them, mm-hmm. after about 30 days, people will come to enjoy the role play because it's safe versus right. I didn't do very well yesterday <sighs> and I'm not doing very well today. But yeah. Dave, on the um, on the role playing, when you as the manager are playing – the prospect, mm-hmm. should you be the easiest client prospect in the world or should you challenge? I want you as a sales manager to play salesperson. I want you to play what they should have said. Let your salesperson play prospect. Right. So but do, you want, do I want the salesperson to play easy prospect? In, oh, so initially? Yeah. I want you Out to of reverse the, the role. Yep. Okay. Okay. The trap is letting the salesperson play salesperson because we wouldn't be role playing if they did it right. Yeah. So just switch it and let them mimic you. Boy, I remember when I was a commissioned salesperson back in the day and I would go to these sales training programs and they'd make us go up there and be the salesperson. And it was horrible. It was Uh, horrible. I hated every minute of it. All right. The next question. But Victoria, on that particular situation, you mentioned if you had three people in the room, Mm -hmm. you don't have to role play one-on-one. Say, look, we're struggling on – 30-second commercials. Let me tell you how I would do it. Group, ask questions. Great. Turn to your neighbor and wanted the two of you then get mm-hmm. it out. Right. There's no group pressure. Yes. Like, oh, do right. I have to go up there in front of the teacher and spell again? I can't uh-huh. do it. You know, all that stuff right. flashes back. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's very cool. Thank you. Awesome. Now, describe the playbook. You talked a little bit about it, be an operating manual for sales, but what exactly is it? A playbook in... Look, there's a couple of things that I would do. It just basically is everything that you would like your salesperson to know or to be able to say that would represent what you feel is the best of best of your company. There's probably 65 things in here. It could be from objection handling. It could be how we describe our company. It could be our sales process. It could be how I hand it off to you know the, the people who are doing the work. It could be what happens when I have a, a um, problem at the work site. Could be all that stuff. And when things keep popping up, you keep updating a playbook. The goal is 
how would we handle this situation or how do I describe this? It's got to live somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, the downside of a playbook, especially when you're a player coach, Victoria, and you're going a thousand miles a minute, no one wants to type that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a death march, right? <laughs> so what you can do is just use technology, which is you can call plenty of apps that you can call into the phone and do your 30 second script. As an example, it comes right out in a word doc mm-hmm. and it's done. Mm-hmm. Make it simple. Mm-hmm. Make it simple. Okay. So really it's, it's a whole variety of, of scripts or phrases that people can use that will communicate clearly what you want to communicate. That's right. And it's and to be, if it'll help listeners, I have a tool on how to create your own playbooks. Why don't we just post it and awesome. then people can download it. That How's would that? be fantastic. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Okay. So most small businesses, so small business owners really don't do a great job of onboarding salespeople. I mean, they, it, it, this, this, bringing on your first couple of salespeople is really tough. And until you have a team and you're really used to it, the, right. there's no onboarding. I don't know what to do. What do you do? So onboarding is always, to me, the most important thing that you can do because you've got this group of, you have this person who thinks they're going to do well, you want them to do well, and lots of times they have experience, and then you say, go do what you do best. That's a serious mistake. But if you're a player coach, that's the easiest thing that you can do. Uh It's the easiest thing that you can do. It's almost like saying, once our kids are in school, I don't have to pay attention again. (laughs) I don't think that's how it works. (laughs) So four-step onboarding process. Uh, step number one, which would play right into what we talked about on the, on the playbook, is to jot everything that you want that person to be able to say or do, right? So there's 65 things, give or take. Number two, you want to put them in order of priority. So for instance, if one of the things on your um, list of things is what to say and how to do, you know, let's say a last minute walkthrough, and maybe you're trying to look for other opportunities as you're as you're doing that. But we don't need to learn that in the first month. You don't have clients. In the first month is probably who is the business? How are we different? What's mm-hmm. our value prop? How do we work, right? So you mm-hmm. put it in order of priority. Okay. Because oftentimes companies say, well, this is our op- this is our sales operations manual. Boom, and then 17 page, you know, pounds of paper go on your desk and you think that's it. No one's looking at that. Mm-hmm. So put it in order of priority. Step 3, give them examples. So by telling somebody that they should know their 30-second commercial by the second week, that's okay. But you have to give them something to replicate. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's going to take some time. That's why you don't have to do everything overnight. But give them something saying this is our 30-second commercial here at our remodeling company. This is how we describe ourselves. Great. Here at Sandler, I give you a script and I give you an audio file. I want you to listen to that audio file in your car a thousand times. Mm. Stop listening to talk radio. Listen to this until you can say it exactly like that. That's awesome. The fourth step and last, and this is where it's going to take some guts, is that you have to test it. So, Victoria, if you were my new hire and I gave you the script of the 30-second commercial and today was the day that we were going to test it out, I would say, okay, Victoria, that's great. Hey, today's the day for the 30-second commercial. Let me hear it. Now, what would happen in the real world? One of two things. One is that you've bailed on me because you had this prospect pop up or you were, oh. <laughs> I have a cold today, right? <laughs> if you keep bailing on me, that tells me something, right? That tells me something because you should have been practicing all week knowing that I was going to be here. Mm-hmm. And I gave you something that said, this is what it takes to succeed here and you're ignoring it. 
Well, that's not going to fly. Right. So I'm also creating a culture of accountability right now. Here's what you should know. Here's when you should know it. And here's what it sounds like. Now it's your turn. Mm -hmm. Now, so let's assume you, you bail on me. The flip side is you do it and it's pretty good. So I can coach and train. Mm -hmm. But if you're a top producer, now remember where we are. I just hired you. You've sold nothing, right? Yeah. So how would I know in the real world that, Victoria, you're going to be successful? You would actually have to go sell something, which means I'm six months into this yes. process. Mm -hmm. And when you don't sell something at a reasonable time that I thought, I would fool myself and say, she's almost there. Well, yeah. I've invested a lot of money. Do I really want to start over with? Oh, my I goodness, hate yes. this process. Oh, my gosh. So a non-producer, I always say a deadhead is better than no head, right? So I'm going to get you as a mediocre producer there. Maybe you're not doing anything, but I put some time into you. But think about this. If I did this onboarding process and you were horrific time and time again, <laughs> or you bailed on me, that tells me I don't have to wait for my six-month sales cycle to prove that you're producing revenue or not. What I'm saying is you're not doing what it takes to succeed here. Mm -hmm. You have to go. Mm -hmm. And I have gotten rid of people within 30 days on our, on our large enterprise sales, and that's an 18-month sales cycle. Wow. Because you're not doing what it takes to succeed, you must go. Mm -hmm. Because remember the Sandler rule, I can't control whether people are going to buy or not, but I can control my own behavior. And mm -hmm. if they're not going to do the behavior that it takes to succeed, you have to go from my company. Go to work for somebody else right. and collect, you know, Social Security from them. You know, it's amazing how many times you see that, though. The, the, the part you were talking about where you've, you've invested, it's like, oh, my God, I don't oh. want to start over. So you just let somebody drag on producing the minimum to barely make it, mm -hmm. and they're not hungry. They're not – they just plod along and for years sometimes. But so so let's say that. Let's say somebody's selling, you know, $750,000, $800,000 a year, year in, year out, decent mm -hmm. margins. Is that okay to just let them be when you know a really good salesperson could sell a million and a half? Well, I think that turns into that's an educated decision versus woe is me. This is what I'm stuck with. So if you feel that that is okay for you or you feel that that person's quote unquote paying for themselves, I'm going to go get somebody else who's more aggressive. Those are decisions that you can make. And it gives, it gives you options because when you have an onboarding program, you don't have to start all over again, right? Here's right. the onboarding program, which matches to my playbook, which I'm role playing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's when I'm don't have any of these things. I will live with that $700,000 person until they quit. Yes. Okay. All and right. I'm going to hate them for it when they quit and I'll thank them for it after the next person's up and running and as <laughs> successful as they should have been the first. <laughs> right. first but you can see if you don't have that specific of an onboarding process oh. against what do you measure them? There's no way yeah. to know. No. So, yeah. It's not worth the pain. Right. Right. You know, it, and think about us as owners. If we didn't come from a sales side, we don't even know what we don't know. Right. I mean, it's really hard. We don't know what we don't know. So we believe them because the greatest sales call these non-producers are making are on us. <laughs> if they were that persuasive with our prospects, we wouldn't be talking about this, but they're convincing us that they're working and all this stuff is great. It's our marketing is not producing enough leads. For That's me. right. Dave, just so interestingly, what if you do hire somebody? Obviously, they have a, a good resume. They've got experience. So so you said, okay, this guy is going to be a good – or gal is going to be a good fit for us. And then you bring them in. They're just they, – they kind of – they don't agree with some of these scripts or, or things like that. Or it's, That's not me. 
when do you kind of, especially if you're saying that, you know, maybe I'm not a, a salesman by nature or something, like, should you be open to other alternatives or kind of bury their head in it and say, no, this is our way. You're going to follow it. Yeah. I, I think the faster you can make the decision to part ways, the better off you are. Mm -hmm. The longer they stay with you, the more emotionally attached you are, the more you fool yourself that this is going to get better mm -hmm. now. So if, you know, if it was you and I, right, Mark, and then you say, look, this is not what I would say, or I, I feel uncomfortable. I would say, would you feel, do you feel uncomfortable with the script, the approach, or you feel uncomfortable that this part of the process should never happen? If you said, no, it's just not part of the script. I would say, well, let me hear what you would do. Manipulate it. Let me hear it. And as long as it's within the parameters of things that I want to cover, I don't really care. I'm not trying to have you become a mini me, although that's what we say as owners, right? If I had 50 mini yes. me's, I would be a Brazilianaire. I <laughs> would be killing it. I don't want that. So you can manipulate it, of course. But if you say, no, I just don't agree with this. Well, it's going to take probably twice. I give you a get out of jail card free once, and then you have to go. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's awesome. I own the company. This is how it's done. This is the playbook. Listen, any any NFL team that you have, I don't care, right? You have a $38 million quarterback that says, hey, look, I'm not throwing passes. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. That's good. Not here, but okay. Yeah. So, Dave, one of the things that really has always challenged me is the, the, the regular weekly accountability of the salespeople and the sales manager. Like, what is a – what's a killer – sales meeting look like or sound like, or what are the topics you cover? So again, if you'd like, I have a great template for this. Happy to, happy <laughs> please, to cover it. Please. Um, yes. Happy to do it because I think most sales meetings are just runaway freight trains. I do say though, as a leader, you have to understand that your sales meeting is like your salespeople presenting to homeowners. This is where you're presenting. This is where you're selling your ideas. So you have to have your stuff buttoned up. You can't wing it, you know, like, hey, it's a sales meeting. Don't worry about it. So there has to be agendas that are set out, right? We're going to use the upfront contract that we all know in there. Mm -hmm. But I do, I love, let's talk about successes, right? Okay. Let's talk about, hey, some implement, implementation issues. Like we did the role plays here. How did that work out? What's going on? You get the people to do that. Mm -hmm. And then this is an issue. Hey, what's the biggest issue? That we're facing this week in the sales process, let people jump in, give suggestions, do that. And then of course you do the numbers, you know, if that's what you're doing and here's where we're going, things of that nature. So I, I do a little of all of that. Okay. All right. Great. So, and by the way, if you don't have, you should let people say to you up front, give me, give me the agenda items that you would like to add to the meeting. Mm -hmm. Because Victoria, if you don't do that, you know what happens? It's just like a sales call. Uh, one or two purple squirrels that salespeople throw into the meeting takes us completely off track and we don't cover anything that we should have done and mm -hmm. they can completely control you and you have no idea it just happened to you. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so give me an example. I mean, you've been doing this a long time, so I would think you'd be like the, one of the ultimate sales managers. So let's say you go into a meeting and you're a new sales manager and mm -hmm. somebody's not meeting their numbers. Now, I understand that in, in Sandler, and I totally believe that you're really looking at the actions, the activities sure, that drive sales mm -hmm. versus the sales themselves so much. But mm -hmm. so they're not hitting it. And they didn't make all their networking calls or they didn't do whatever is part of their cookbook for that week. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you do? How do you, how do you address it? Because you're in a group meeting, right? Yeah. So I would certainly say if, first of all, I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to dissect that in front of the whole group. I don't want to necessarily do that. 
But I would say at that meeting when I'm, no, oh, here we go in the dashboard again, you're 0 for 10, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I would try to figure out, is this a behavioral issue, right? Is it, are you unwilling or unable? And they're two different things. Mm -hmm. So if you're not doing the behaviors, you're not willing to do what it takes. Well, I can call that right out. I can simply say, well, let's look at the cookbook. But Victoria, based on the cookbook, you're supposed to be making 25 outbound calls, five LinkedIn letter referrals. I don't see that happening. Tell it, help me understand what's going on. And then you'll have to say that out loud. And I, what happens is people end up firing themselves because you have a cookbook. No one wants to report week after week. They haven't done the behavior. Right. Now, if you're doing the behavior and it's more of a tactical thing, like you're not, you're making the calls, but your phone call stinks. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great coaching and training thing. That's what we're going to talk about at today's sales meeting. Okay. All right. Great. That's wonderful. Um, so what advice would you give a new sales manager? Oh, okay. So uh, first I would create a sales process for yourself. So how are we, how are we finding and engaging our customers? What should steps of your sales process? Now, someone say, well, I'm Sandler trained. I follow the Sandler selling system. Okay, I get it. But you don't show up and say, I'm in stage two. Today, I'm doing the upfront contract. That's right. not how this works. Right. So get your sales process down. Make sure everybody understands it. Publish it. You know, tweak it. But get it down. Because you can't coach or train or hold people accountable to nothing. So you have to have something. Next, create the gates. So if you have four steps in your process, make it very simple. These are the three things that you need before you can go from step one to step two. So you don't get sucked up into a lot of free consulting. Like? Give, give some oh, so for instance, in order for us to move to, um, let's say they want to come and see uh, some work, right? Or they want to go and talk to some customers. Great. Happy to do that. But in your process, you may say, I'd like to figure out what you're looking for, some of the budget parameters and some of the timing, because that'll help you I'll then pick the right type of people for them to do. But it also gives you leverage because once you do all that, they're less likely to answer all those questions. Mm -hmm. So I can say, I'd happy to do that. Love to do that, Victoria. I need to ask you a couple questions in order for me to pick the right customer for you to talk to. Okay. Let me ask you this. And then I bring you right back because I know statistically, if I do that, I've, I'm, out of control. I'm just in, I'm out of control. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be one. Second, I would pre or third, I would pre-call plan as I would dictate it. All calls must have a pre-call planner. Okay. You keep opening so, up all these questions. So then what is that? Okay. So pre-call planner. Look, most salespeople, we wing it because we think we've done this a million times. There's nothing that this homeowner can say that I haven't heard my whole life. Okay. Well, that's fine. I get it. But that's kind of like a lottery ticket. Like, I don't want my pilot to not have a pre-call planner and say, I've flown planes my whole life. It looks like <laughs> a plane. I can take this. No big deal. That's not how that works. So they have a whole checklist. And so does my surgeon, I would hope. Yes. So pre-call planner. Um, what's the purpose of today? How did I get there? So I can make a leverage thing. Oh, yes, we just finished the work at Mr. and Mrs. Smith's house. Bop, 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 right? I want to know their disk profile, which they may be able to tell you. I want to go online and see, you know, who are these people? Who are they connected to? Did they go to the same college that I did to? Do they know certain people that mm -hmm. I know? Those are great pieces of information. Here are the top three questions that I'm going to ask today. Hey, what could they ask me tonight? And how am I going to respond to that? And what is my next step in my mind when i leave this meeting in 45 minutes what do i want to have achieved and my clear 
future. What is my next step? Okay. That's some easy things right there. Okay. All right. So now we're going to go back and you were talking about setting up gates. So you've yeah. explained what a, what the, sort of a gate That's is. That's steps in your sales process. Yes. Right. Yes. So if you have a three-step process or a four-step, then those would be my gates. And what I'm saying there is treat it as a gate. Don't jump. Don't let the prospect take you all the way to presentation when you don't have all your stuff in order. Okay. So that would be it. And I think, you know, the last thing I would tell new sales managers, Victoria, is you don't have a lot of experience in sales management. We know that. The greatest thing that you could do is to treat your salespeople like prospects. Now, what does that mean? So I know that's where we're headed. What does that mean, David? So (laughs) what that means is, hey, if you know how to sell, I'm assuming as a sales manager, you've sold something. So treat your salespeople like prospects. So ask good questions. Make sure you're communicating. Make sure that you actually have an agenda for everything. Make sure you have clear next steps for everything. Everything that you do to a buyer, if you did to a salesperson, life would be great. Think about it as a new person. Yeah, that is really awesome. So Dave, you have a new book, right? Yeah, I do. Thanks for asking. Yeah, what's the name of it again, the title? Scaling Sales Success, 16 Sales Leader Principles. Awesome. Um, So in that book, you say tap into their why. What does that mean? What that means is we all give our salespeople quotas, right? We're all saying these are the numbers that we want you to hit. And oftentimes we check the box thinking, okay, that's good enough. And, or we sit down with our salespeople and say, well, this is going to be X amount of projects, X amount of presentations. And we reverse the sales funnel makes perfect sense. Sales, you know, sales management 101, Mm -hmm. but that's your number. That's your goal. So, and I've found that people work harder for themselves and their families than they do for you, Mm -hmm. right? And we all know that as owners. That's why we put up with this entrepreneurial horror every (laughs) single day, right? Right. So, how do you connect the why? Well, if we could take the quota, let's hypothetically say it's a $10 million quota. The sales rep, just use some numbers here, they get 200,000. Here's the why, Victoria. Here's the bridge. So if we hit quota and you get 200,000, just let's pretend for a second, what would you do with the commission money? And they, and they tend to look at you like, well, I don't know. Well, let's just let your mind wander. What would you do? And you'll hear things like uh, save for retirement, maybe a vacation home, maybe take a vacation, maybe whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But it becomes very personal and you've connected into why would you go through all their rejection? Why would you do all of this? It went from quota, unemotional, to what would you spend the money on? Me, my why do I work every single day? And that's really the connection that we were trying to make. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Dave, this is this has been so great. I've learned so much, but you know, I, there's one thing I learned more than anything else, and that is that I was a bad sales manager. <laughs> <laughs> We're all bad sales managers. <laughs> so, so thanks for bringing that to my attention. Uh, the only thing left for us to do is to to look inside your head. Are you ready for the lightning round? Uh, sure. All right. I say that with hesitation. You hear me hesitate? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap! All right, we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. What's your favorite business book and why? Uh, Marshall Goldsmith, what you got, what got you here won't get you there. Uh, I like it because it deals with all different aspects and gets you out of your comfort zone. If you weren't CEO of Sandler Training, what do you think you'd be doing? I would be a natural resource officer. What are you not very good at? 
Um, I am not very good at, well, many things, but let's see. Not um, hockey. <laughs> your, your room, your desk, or your car? Which would you clean first? My desk. Have you ever been told you look like someone famous? No. Name something you refuse to share. Ice cream. <laughs> good choice there. Dave, this has been great. We really appreciate you taking your time uh, to, to share some of your wisdom with us for sure. Now, before I let you go, though, I would like you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience and say why they resonate with you. My five words would be create clarity at all times. And why that? And I think – yeah, I think as a sales manager, if you certainly know where you stand in your coaching and where you stand in setting expectations, and then if you had clarity at all times, you will have a culture of accountability. All right, great. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Hey, where do people go if they want to get your new book or some of your old books or learn more about Sandler? They can go to Sandler.com. We have a we have a storefront for any of the books. Um, certainly, you can go to Amazon. Uh, as well. And of course, you know, we've had such a great relationship. So any of our local trainers could could also work on it as well. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you so much, Dave. Appreciate it. We'll put some of that information in the website uh, in the show notes. That's great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks. You know, I, I really love the whole Sandler philosophy, you know, and I think that the, the tips that Dave shared in this session on uh, sales management were just so useful. It was very useful. I I thought it was really cool that just the idea of creating a culture of role play. Yes, you know, because um, I know I for one can definitely attest to the. It's it's almost. I mean, it's just like horrifying the thought of role. You know, oh. I don't think I'd be bad. Like if it was just you and I in a room like this, mm-hmm. and I have to role play with you, no big deal. But if I have to stand in front of twenty people role playing, that's a little bit more disconcerting to me. But if it's the culture, if it's something that happens every week at every meeting and all that, it, it kind of it loses that, you know, that impact, I think. Well, yeah, also, and he's not he's, – his suggestion was that you not put anybody on the spot by forcing them to be the salesperson. Oh, right. my God. You know, I remember some of those training sessions that I had to do that. It was, it was terrifying. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciated that particular tip. Yeah, that was that was really good. I just thought it was kind of cool. The sales manager's the um, the salesperson role, right. not the not right. the client role. And, and he's right. What a better way to learn it than screwing up in front of a bunch of people and being embarrassed to tears, and you don't even remember any of the positive criticism that might have come out of it. And the idea that he gives an audio file of whatever it is, yes. like the 30-second commercial right. or, or something, and, and you know, play it over and over in the car. Listen to it 45 times. Mm-hmm. Let it sink in. Right. Hear it over and over again. That, that was a really cool little hack, yeah. I think. You know, I'd really like to uh, – a couple of years ago, we did a program that was uh, specifically for sales managers and the, our um, Sandler contact person then, who was Chip Doyle, and he ran that for us. Boy, that was good. Maybe it's time to do that again. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. We should probably do that again. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't agree with him any more than um, not sharing your ice cream cone. <laughs> no kidding. I don't think I'm with I'd that. be comfortable doing that either. So <laughs> I refuse to share my – I agree, Dave. I will not share my ice cream cone with somebody. <laughs> well, we want to thank Dave for taking the time out of his busy, busy day 
to share some of these insights with us. And all we're going to put those um, those items that he mentioned, those resources in the show notes. If you're not familiar or don't know where to get the show notes, you visit powertipspodcast.com. And that's all the show notes for all our shows. We'll put those links to the, the resources he mentioned in there. So we want to thank Dave. And of course, we want to thank you for listening week in and week out. I am Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day.